Hey, it's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. You're kind of in the middle, just so you know. Uh, if you just came over from part one of Liberty Elman on the topic of John McLaughlin, you're in the right place. It's, let me just try to sort this out. This is the recording made July 18th of 2016. We did a couple of these, okay? So this is part two out of three parts of the first of those two three-hour broadcasts. I'm overstating it. It's all good. You could jump in anywhere you like. But if you're trying to go in order, well, there you go. All right, let's get to it. Part two from July 18th, 2016. Liberty Elman, and we are in the midst of some banging Mahavishnu Orchestra. Go, 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 go. Record and other bands at that time who were, who were all in on the birth of this stuff and making vital, important musical statements, even when it was loud and ferocious. It was still really, really solid, good music. Um, and then, you know, something becomes sort of trendy and then everybody piles on and you get generations of, of sort of a watered down version that is hoping for a success. It's a different kind of intention behind the music. But it's funny because even now there's there's kind of a rebirth of fusion uh, going on right now. You know, yeah. Who, you, and, who jumps out for you? Well, I don't know about who's jumping out. I mean, I mean, in terms of who's contemporary, I would say maybe Flying Lotus or Thundercat or s- certain elements of bringing in real sample-based music uh, and blending it with uh, with a lot of technique and a jazz sensibility, you know, making quality statements, you know. But even beyond that, there are just a lot of bands. It just seems maybe it's because of the proliferation of jazz universities. There's so many good players, technical players, you know. So there's a lot of music that is sort of full of twists and turns and, you know, kind of complicated and all this stuff. Maybe sometimes detrimentally so, but at the same time, they're trying to make music. But when you, when I hear it, I go, oh, that sounds like stuff... Yeah. that I've heard before, you know, I mean, because it's, it's hard to be that innovator, you know, even if you have all this other stuff going on, you, somehow you need to really find a way to, to make it your own. And some people are, some people are doing it, but, 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 but it's a good time, like, to listen to this music, I think, uh, to hear uh, the people who were in that lava <laughs> in the early rock you know, Spock's talking about the lava rock. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The the tar pit of <laughs> of jazz rock. You know, like these guys are the. You know, there there it is. So, but I'm I'm I mean, you know, you just get lost in the ocean of it of sound mm-hmm. listening, and we're kind of picking it apart now. Mm-hmm. Um, in between these. Bounce with this recording. If you're just joining us, we've been listening to Mahavishnu Orchestra, this fantastic live recording from 1972 in Berkeley, California. Liberty Elman, my guest in the studio. I'm Mitch Goldman. And um, I was going to ask you to talk about uh, John McLaughlin's sound and in this, and which is also uh, distinct mm-hmm. and... Um, I think a big influence on all kinds of people that came after and were his contemporaries at the time. And maybe you could, uh, would you want to unpack that a little bit? Is that? Well, uh, I mean, John McLaughlin, I mean, the first thing that's so obvious is that he has this technique that, that is 
kind of uncommon. <laughs> you kind know, of uncommon, well, it's interesting yes. because it's, it's he's not um, playing in the, the traditional jazz, you know, like a big jazz box in the dark, super dark with all the treble off kind of thing, with, because uh, he's got a more pointed, brighter sound. He was playing. I, I don't know if he's playing an SG on this or not, but I know he used to play an SG and. Uh, I, but I really love to listen to him when he played. Uh, he had when I saw him with uh, his trio with Trilog Gertu and Kai Eckhart in San Francisco many years ago, '89 maybe. That was yeah, they were or something like that. But I saw that band and um, and he you know he played all acoustic in that band. But he was he's equally nimble. More maybe how flamenco guitar players you know there's a certain. Uh, and I, I would love to sit with him sometime and <laughs> ask him what's going on with his right hand because it's it's magic, you know, that way. But it's so clean and, and precise, and, and so he can be so articulate and dynamic with it because he has that much control. And that influences the tone, you know, because it, because it is very clear. Um, there's a certain sort of looseness you can have when you when you have a much more a much darker quality to your instrument. Um, you can be, I mean, rhythmically, hopefully you're still very precise, but, but there's a little bit less of a, a focus on every single attack. Um, so when you brighten up the sound, uh, it can reveal the, fl- uh, the sloppy technique. You yeah, know? you're going to hear a finger noise, you're going to yeah. hear... But most guitars sound better with a more even kind of, you know, the actual instrument sounds really good with a kind of an even, you know, a lot of the earlier masters of jazz guitar like uh, Tal Farlow or Jimmy Rainey and cats like that, they had that kind of technique. And their tone wasn't super, super dark, you know? Yeah. Um, you could really hear the guitar sing, you know, all the harmonics. and um, Or like Lenny Bro playing harp guitar. and You know, uh, the guitar has a really wide range available to you. So, so John is one of those guys with the technique where he can really show that all to you. So his sound is very special in that way. Sidebar question. Yeah. Liberty Elman, as a guitar player, when you listen to another guitarist playing electric guitar can you tell the ones who practice on acoustic from the ones who practice on electric oh i don't know about that <laughs> i mean you know it's everybody's different you know and uh i mean look at someone like peter bernstein who has such a beautiful sound that you know sort of reminds me of a jim hall kind of mm. approach i don't you know um but he had a great sound you know he has this beautiful arch top um and he also had a great sound he used to play a 175 um, but the point is that, you know, someone who sort of has their identity and they and they commit to a certain instrument, that becomes an extension of their personality and their and their musicality. And so it doesn't matter what they're practicing on, you know, that if that's going to be their main axe, then they need to practice on that axe. Mm-hmm. There is a technical, you know, uh, I play a lot of acoustic guitar and um, sometimes I feel like that technique can be. Uh, can get in the way because I actually when I when I pick up my electric, my hands are feeling strong and I'm overplaying, you know. Yeah. So so there, it's a it's a different instrument, you know, um, and so it can be detrimental on <laughs> depending on what moment you're in. So I don't know if I can tell who's practicing on what, mm-hmm. you know. I, I think you can tell who's practicing and who isn't, maybe, but <laughs> yeah. that's about it, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, just called something to mind. I was saying. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier. I was saying about working with uh, Ronald Shannon Jackson, drummer, mm. who uh, worked with a lot of great guitar players in his band and otherwise. And um, he was talking about uh, this one guitar player. And 
I'm trying to remember exactly how the conversation went, but um, I said, <laughs> I referred to him, I said, you mean the guitar player? He goes, well, he has a guitar. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was, was like, he, was... <laughs> he didn't want to call him a guitar player. He goes, he, he has a guitar. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was part. Uh-oh. He didn't, like, say it with any edge. He was just like, right. yeah, that guy. But, um, yeah, it does show. It does show its hand. And uh, back again talking about um, Mahavishnu Orchestra and John McLaughlin. Uh, yeah, he's, the sound, it's, uh, he's got, there's like a ring to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it. There is just this certain amount of uh, transparent kind of resonance in that sound. It's not just like a crunchy electric guitar sound. There's, <laughs> it's It's got the body of a like an acoustic guitar. I mean, I just, I hear this, hmm. all this detail in there. When you listen, it's, it's Well, fathomless. like I said, I think it's because he, he has his, his tone is open, you know, so the guitar is, is ringing and, uh, and it's because of his, his hands, you know, he's, he's, he's able, even at those speeds, he's able to articulate each note in such a way where the guitar is singing and that's, it's uncommon, you know, so yeah. that's, that's, that's really what it is, you know. Other than that, you'd have to ask him how he was setting up his amp or whatever, you know. Right, but, right. But uh, but yeah, it's a beautiful sound. It really yeah. is. It's right, it's right for the music, you know. And Absolutely. he's got so many different. That's the, that's why I brought him up. And I, I don't know how much of his other projects we'll get into, but you know, because the, just like I talked about with the that the, the trio with Sherlock, yeah. the Shakti music, um, and what he did with Miles, you know, it's it's all. Uh, it's all these different personalities, you know, the same, the same guy, same vocabulary in a way, you know, but, uh, but yet he, he's able to, to adapt to these situations and, and, and maintain that, that sound. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he is, is this a fascinating, if you might be discovering John McLaughlin for the first time tonight, listeners, hmm. and um, there's a huge wealth of recordings out there for you to uh, explore. This particular one that we're playing, you're not going to find, most likely. But uh, there's a whole bunch of albums from Mahavishnu Orchestra, which are, I think they're commercially available, I would oh, of course. assume. Absolutely. And uh, he was a Verve recording artist for many years. Some of those you'll find floating around. Um, he's uh, And he's had many projects that uh, uh, the stuff, the album he made with Santana. Right. That yeah. one was... I'm mm-hmm. still. Uh, I did a version of Blue and Green, I think, that record. Yeah. Yeah. He actually did that a few times. He did that uh, on his uh, My Goals Beyond record, which is one of my favorite right. ones. Yes. He does I think this that was his first record. Well, yeah. Wasn't it? Was that his first album? I don't know. But he does this interest. One of the sides, it's like he's overdubbing, he's playing rhythm for himself, and then, and then it's a duo, guitar duo with himself. <laughs> but it sounds so. Uh, it sounds like two guys playing together. It really doesn't sound like that, but it's it's a it's actually really great playing. Um, and he plays that, and then uh, he did that on another album too. I don't know if it was the Bill Evans record or I think so, something. Yeah, I think. But he- but uh, he's in some nice versions of Blue and Green. Yeah. But which one? Uh, what did you have coming up? Coming up? Um, well, I could tell you, or should we just dive in? Okay, let's dive in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Surprise me. Uh, the show's called Deep Focus, and now you know why. 
that's what we do. We, we, we drive all of our attention into this one moment in the life of this fantastic band. It's a band of legend. You can't, I would say there's barely a musician alive of your generation, my generation, that doesn't cite these guys, whether they admit it or not. Maybe they don't <laughs> want to talk about it now. Well, I don't know. But when they were yeah. coming up, every guitar player, I would think, oh. right, has to go through the cauldron of uh, John McLaughlin recordings. No? What do you think? I would think so, but, <clears throat> you know, that's the wonderful thing about guitar. It's so vast. You know, I True. have friends who are such blues heads. Yes. That they, you know, you would turn that on and they would say, oh, you know. Too many notes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which, you know, fine. That's cool. Uh, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, he is definitely one of the most uh, highly regarded players of his generation and among a lot of people to follow. You know? And tonight you are finding out why. So we're at the Berkeley Community Center. It's February of 1972. Mahavishnu Orchestra, Jerry Goodman violin, Rick Laird on the bass, Jan Hammer playing the keyboards. Recognize what keyboard he's playing? Is he playing a... Uh, well, I hear a Rhodes, Rhodes, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, Probably has something else there, though. No doubt. And John McLaughlin playing the guitar. And uh, we're just so darn lucky to have this music to play for you tonight. It's uh, Let's go back to Berkeley from the archives of WKCR.
Hmm. Is that it? It just rolls out like that? Oh, there we go. <laughs> they're just <laughs> they're just slack jawed, man. Yeah. They're just dumbstruck. They're laying down. They're stoned. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Berkeley. 1972, they're stoned. <laughs> I'm sure the uh, contact would right. have to lay the whole place Even if out. they didn't walk yeah, right. in planning to be. That's how they're leaving. Yeah. But no, seriously, uh, I'm not taking anything away from that crowd of music lovers. You are listening to WKCR, WKCR FM New York, WKCR HD1. Jazz Alternatives is the program that airs, whoa. We're going to come back to that. Uh, every uh, <laughs> weeknight from 6 to 9 p.m. On Mondays, we sometimes call this show Deep Focus. And I'm the host for that show. My name is Mitch Goldman. And when we have a Deep Focus program, we have a guest in the studio. And that guest will choose an artist for us to bring a special level of attention to. And uh, often around a live unreleased recording and that's what's happening tonight liberty elman here in the studio hoo-ha hey 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 and uh liberty you had the inspired idea of uh giving a close look and listen to the fantastic john mclaughlin and uh, that's what we've been doing in the form of so far as we tease them about what might be coming their way mm -hmm. of uh mahavishnu orchestra that alone had john mclaughlin done nothing else in his life but uh in music but been part of mahavishnu orchestra i think folks would still be talking about him today but yeah, uh a question <laughs> <laughs> right but he's now also in something we haven't mentioned john mclaughlin is still out there playing music he uh and he'll come through new york every so often and doing that yeah, I happen to know that someone is trying to get him to do a duo with Bill Frizzell, Ooh. which would be so unusually interesting. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but if that happens, I will be there. Yeah. <laughs> Every guitar player. Talk will about, be I there. mean, you know, uh, contrast. You know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, and every guitar player not in town will be there. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Come in. Yeah. They'll yeah, show yeah. up. Mm -hmm. um, but, no, John McLaughlin has done many other things. You mentioned um, playing with Miles Davis, which he actually, I think, only did for a brief mm -hmm. but extremely important period of time. Mm -hmm. And uh, there might be some live recordings of that band. Oh, Who yeah, knows? There you go. Uh, he has done fantastic um, acoustic recordings on acoustic guitar, the guitar, the trio stuff that he did. Uh, he's done. You, we were talking about some of the the music influenced by uh, music of India and with Indian musicians and Shakti, yeah. Shakti mm -hmm. and uh, among others. Also, uh, well, my goals beyond all. There's all kinds of yeah. stuff that. Well, it sounds like even even here, you yeah. know, in this in this music, it's clear that he's got a lot of uh, he's absorbed a lot of information from the Indian classical music and his technique. I mean, uh, you can compare him to Sarod or sitar players, you know, in terms of uh, some of the ideas he's got going on. So it's uh, apparent that. It's always been there. <laughs> yeah. It's always been there, it seems like. You know, I mean, I don't know when he, how he first discovered it. I should 
read about that. But uh, Have you met John McLaughlin? You know, it's really funny. I met him one time. Um, a friend of mine was playing bass in his band, Matt Garrison. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Garrison's son, great bass player. And I was in London uh, probably visiting my mother who lives in England. And he was in town with John's band, really cool band. I know Gary Thomas was playing tenor, who's really one of my favorites. Can't remember all the rest of the band. This was quite a while ago. But in any case, uh, I had backstage pass, and I went, you know, this is a uh, Royal Festival Hall, a great place nice. to see yeah. the band, yeah. right? And uh, so we go backstage, and Matt wants to introduce me to John. So, okay, you know. So we walk over, and he says, John, John, I want you to meet my friend Liberty Elman. He's like, yeah, he's, uh, and I think he was teasing me. You know, he's like, yeah, Liberty's, you know, he's one of the, one of the baddest cats in New York right now, you know. And I was, I would not agree with that, at the, especially at the time. I was <laughs> especially while feeling being very green. To John and when, you know, John McLaughlin, I'm like extremely embarrassed, you know. And John, he looks at me and he takes my hand and he kind of squeezes it. He's like, oh, should I squeeze really hard? You know, like. <laughs> but he was, it, was, it was pretty funny. You know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, he was cool. I mean, we didn't really get to hang or anything, but, uh, but it, was, it was nice to meet him. Yeah. Actually, you know, Henry's wife is friends with John's wife. And every once in a while, so far when he's been around and if there's been an opportunity, I haven't been around, you know. Mm. But at some point, I'm hoping to hook up. And, yeah. And I know he's heard Zoo with, you know, on recording. I think Henry actually cornered him and played him. <laughs> I hear this record, you know. <laughs> so uh, that was interesting. Cool. But, yeah, that's that's the extent of it. Mm. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, he is still a vital force of music. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a bunch of people calling up excitedly and uh, asking about what we're playing this is not music from any album this is a live recording from the archives here at wkcr but there are lots of great it's mahavishnu orchestra is the name of the group let me once again tell you who is in that band the violinist is jerry goodman the keyboard player is jan hammer the bass player is rick laird the drummer is Billy Cobham. The guitar player is John McLaughlin. And uh, each of those guys, uh, to various extents, have, uh, are distinctive contributors to the scene in this band and elsewhere. Um, Rick Laird, probably the least, as we were saying earlier. Um, not least in contribution <laughs> here, by no. any means. Yeah. And, you know, this is another interesting sidelight, all these little, all these little side roads to go down. Hmm. Um, that this music, this style of music was so new. It wasn't quite, I mean, Miles had been doing his electric stuff for about three years at this point. Um, And uh, that was a shaping influence. And there's some other bands doing overlapping things. I don't know if I'd say similar things, but Mm. overlapping, also coming out of the rock world. You mentioned we could talk about Santana, Allman Brothers, Frank Zappa. but um, the roles of the individual instruments is a whole world of discussion to be made. You know, some of the things Rick Laird's doing, that uh, some of which became standard operating procedures, some didn't. But there's this whole new language of playing electric bass in this kind of ensemble, playing ambitious music. Mm-hmm. And uh, same for absolutely for Billy Cobham, absolutely true, really, for all these guys. Mm. And just carving out new places for themselves. Um, so yeah, it's uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra, and uh, there's a bunch of albums out there. If you're uh, if you're a turntable 
person, you'll find some old wax floating around. If you're, uh, absolutely. Um, I've got a few of those on wax for sure. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, or CDs or I don't know, I haven't looked into digital downloads, but Mahavishnu Orchestra is the name of the group. And this music still sounds fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're sincere. You know, it doesn't sound dated when the band is really, you know, making that presentation something that they really believe in, you know. So uh, it's over time, but it's still it's still every bit as exciting as it would be now, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I had uh, talked earlier about the opportunity I had to listen to this with Billy Cobham, who had not heard it since that night. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was he was feeling it. You know, he's definitely, he's an artist. He has grown and moved on, but he's like, yeah, no, we were, we were playing, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear. You know, it's, I mean, we were talking earlier about, like, because there seems to be a little bit of a revival of the fusion concept in different ways. Some of it a little bit more smooth than others, but, uh, and I mentioned some of, like, those cats from L.A., uh, Flying Lotus and Thundercat in terms of what I think is sort of really contemporary with beat culture and all that. But but even so, I mean, more straight in the jazz fusion, like there's Knee Body, uh, which is a really great band, mm-hmm. doing interesting stuff along those lines. And then, of course, there's popularity of the band Smarky Puppy, who I keep seeing uh, this ad for their New Year's Eve show. I'm like, wow, it's July, and I'm getting these ads for wow. two nights at Irving <laughs> Plaza or whatever. But it's like, okay, you know, here's a band that's like, Playing Irving, they're playing Irving Plaza, you know. Yeah, uh, and it's a, uh, it's kind of a jazz fusion group. I mean, I don't, you know, it's uh, maybe a little got some funk elements to it, but uh, but it's kind of out of that tradition. It's not hard rock yeah. per se, but they go for it. You know, the the keyboard player in that group, Corey Henry, is quite a virtuosic soloist. You know, he's a lot of fun to listen to. That is another thing worth mentioning here mm-hmm. that. Um, Mahavishnu Orchestra and some of their contemporaries, um, Return to Forever comes to mind as an obvious one, Herbie Hancock, stuff that he was doing at that time. These, this was not always top of the charts pop, although Herbie, of course, had a big hit a couple of years later with uh, Chameleon. Mm-hmm. But all these guys playing instrumental music, very sophisticated instrumental music, were playing huge venues they played mm-hmm. big theaters mm-hmm. and uh this was not nightclub music and it's no. funny also thinking about the fact that at that time they got accused by hardcore fans and journalists for quote-unquote selling out right right <laughs> right because they were because they were playing instrumental rock it is the way they were looking at it you know yeah. that they were veering away but to listen to this music. straight ahead or something but i don't i mean i don't know if you could accuse john mclaughlin of selling out it right. wouldn't make any sense because he didn't, as far as I know, commercially make his bones playing straight ahead jazz and then move over. I know that that, cri- that criticism was definitely lobbed at like Weather Report, right? Uh, yeah, and Miles Wayne, for yeah. going electric. But yeah. they were, you know, those guys were innovators and they wanted to keep moving forward. They didn't want to look back. You know, they want. It's just like, and they'll, they'll say the same thing today. You, you hear Wayne trying to give the same advice to, to jazz musicians, saying, you know. <laughs> Once you've done something like that, then take the next step. Go deeper. You know, do something. Find out what you haven't done. You know, how deep is your well? Um, 
and that's what that's that's what the the guys were doing. You know, I'm sure there was an element. I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting. You depending on who you talk to, people talk about the desire to expand their audience and looking at the success of certain rock artists and saying, hey, you know, look at all these kids. They're moving away from jazz and they're going. They're feeding off the energy of this new music, and we want to be a part of that. And you know, that can be a sincere desire to engage in the youth, which I think is completely appropriate or it can be like those guys are playing big shows and I want to play big shows um, but you can tell by listening to the music who's really into it and who's just trying to get in on something you know um, so but I, I think the stuff that stands the test of time that we're listening to clearly are people who believe in what they're doing and know, to listen no question, to you know this to me immensely ambitious music and think that anybody was like charted this out to try to make money um, well, I mean, they well, did want to make money, but yeah. that that was the whole extent of the ambition of it is pretty silly, it seems. It's short-sighted, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's, a, it's a long uh, battle. I think it's been <laughs> yeah. the, the, the divisions in the, in the jazz, you know, instrumental music community. Let's, yes. let's not just call it jazz community. True. But, but in terms of, you know, what people's desires are, uh, it's, it's hard to, to divine that, you know. You are listening to WKCR-FM New York, WKCR-HD1. I'm Mitch Goldman. We are in deep focus with Liberty Element on the music of John McLaughlin. And, uh, you know, there's only one thing I can think of that would be better than listening to a set from Mahavishnu Orchestra from Berkeley Community Center in 1972. And what would that be? That would be listening to two sets of Mahavishnu Orchestra <laughs> from Berkeley Community Center in 1972. Oh my God! <laughs> you got it in you, or do you want to move on? We got we got some we got some uh, choices to make here. Oh man! Well, that stuff is so happening. I'd be happy <laughs> to listen to that. What what else did you have? Uh, well, we could. Uh, there's there's the um, some of those things we were talking about. Uh, <laughs> why don't we play a little bit more of Berkeley? Yeah. And, uh, I would I would gladly hear some more of this set, and then yeah, if there's time, then we can maybe look at something. Else. I think if I'm not mistaken, I believe it is Mr. Cobham who has the first statement okay. in the second set. Well, that's all you got to say. Uh, you are listening to WKCR live music from the archives. Liberty Elman, our guest, and music from Mahavishnu Orchestra.
you, that's all you got to do, really. You just uh, end a song playing this like really fast unison thing like 40 <laughs> times and then stop and you can make the crowd cheer every time, right? Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. <laughs> wow. If you want to play for house, that's a way to do it. <laughs> no, I think they were uh, I think they were feeling it. Oh that, man, I just don't know, how, you know, how do you how do you do that with that energy after playing all night? It's like it's it's incredible, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I dig uh, well, let me back out and tell you where you're at. You're listening to 89.9 FM or maybe WKCR HD1 or maybe WKCR.org or some other uh, thing we haven't even figured out yet. We're in the celestial plane. But uh, regardless, that was still Mahavishnu Orchestra 1972, Berkeley Community Center, live recording from the WKCR archives. What? <laughs> That's right. Not what album is that from? None. That is uh, live recording. Uh, the real thing. You only hear it on WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman. We call this show Deep Focus. My guest tonight, Liberty Elman in the studio. Hey, hey. Good to be here. And uh, Liberty had the wise suggestion that we turn the WKCR laser in the direction of John McLaughlin. That was him on guitar there with. Mahavishnu Orchestra, and uh, was that kind of like almost a little uh, bluegrass kind of feel in there, or is that sort of uh... I don't know. I'm not an expert on that, but um, but bluegrass does require a lot of precision too, you know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I always default to more of the the uh, Indian and classical influences with that band, but but it's uh, no, it's just it's just a lot of fun. I just. It makes me feel like a kid when I listen to that music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's exciting. That's another one of those things. It's, uh, you know, we have this, I think we have this received idea of what this band is about. When I picture, I don't listen to Mahavishnu Orchestra all the time. I've, I'm a fan from way back. I have records once upon a time, still have them. And um, I think I have this uh, sort of reduced idea in my mind of what they were and I listen to the music like this and it expands right back out to me going well they don't really fit in any box any which way you look at it mm -hmm. but I think that you're really putting your finger on it a couple of uh, themes of our conversation about this tonight that um, idea of having a, a group sound and that idea of fun how do you express fun in instrumental music, how do you uh, how do you put an idea like that across? But it seems like th that that wave of energy that's coming off the stage clearly it has this audience in its thrall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I've already said it, but it's they 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 are they are having fun. They they believe in what they're doing and doing it well. <laughs> And uh, and they and also because you can part of the the aspect of it feeling like it was fun is because they are clearly having an on night you know so they're in sync everything's working I don't know I don't know how many nights they had where they weren't on I don't know but but this one clearly was on <laughs> so so there's nothing better when you're on stage and uh, you feel like the entire band is in sync and everybody's listening and and the time feels like one 
metronome <laughs> pulsing. You know, it could it could be ebbing and flowing, but everyone is riding that wave together, and it's a very euphoric feeling, and it that definitely transmits through the music. So uh, when I've been at shows where you feel like that, you go, oh man, that you know, I'm so glad I was there. And also, nobody was standing there with phones in their face. You know, <laughs> it's like everybody yeah. was there in in a group think. You know, the the audience and the musicians are collaborating on this this moment. You know? Does that that phone thing? Everybody in the audience, I think, knows exactly what we're talking about. Um, do you feel like it puts a certain distance between? Hundred percent does, no question, because. Uh, when you are on stage and somebody is right near you and they have a phone, there's two aspects to it. One of it is the phone is up. And it's one thing that someone puts their hands up and takes a photo, you know, but you feel it because you're aware of, you're aware of the energy. I mean, Keith Jarrett is the most famous vocal person about that. I saw him at Carnegie recently, and he's pointing up, <laughs> way up onto the thing, after he made his speech about don't take pictures. <laughs> and he's pointing way up into the upper Carnegie, you know, like the six levels, right? He's pointing yeah, all the way yeah. to the top saying, I see you up there. You know, <laughs> it's almost a stick. You know, people are sort of uncomfortably yeah. laughing. But, but you know, he's playing solo. He's, he's improvising, and he's playing in front of a sold-out crowd. And when you see a flash go off, you you see it, you know, and, and all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, okay, that guy didn't pay attention to me and I asked him not to take a picture. And it's a lot to ask of the artist to be completely impervious to that, even though it may seem like a meaningless thing to do. If your flash goes off or there's a red light or something, it's distracting. And especially when you see two dozen of them in front of the stage, you just, it, 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 it breaks that uh, hypnotic um, zone that you want to be in as a performer. I'm kind of amazed by the notion that people don't seem to have any base-level awareness of the fact that they are in a public gathering and that they're not sitting on their sofa and that something they do, clearly it's not entered their consciousness, that something they do might actually affect someone else their neighbor standing next to them, let alone that guy on the stage. I don't. Mm. I think people seem to have lost the ability to distinguish between being in a room with a performer who's creating something and watching a movie. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. That makes no sense, but uh, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of what I see. But it's definitely a. Uh, you know, you'll hear a lot of artists talk about it uh, about the audience being collaborated. This music's going to get inside your head. You're going to be seeing the world in a whole different way. Food's going to taste different. People, you're going to see things in them that you've never seen before. Very powerful music. All right. Uh, that's part two. So this was July 18th, 2016. Liberty Elman joining me on the topic of John McLaughlin and Mahavishnu Orchestra. And, um, yeah, that's... Uh, you have got to check out Liberty's music and uh, in particular, the work that he does with Henry Threadgill is truly groundbreaking. And his own music's great too, his sextet. Go and find it. Go to his website, Liberty Elman, E-L-L-M-A-N.com and uh, you can tell me what you think. You can find us on Instagram. It's deep underscore focus underscore podcast. On Instagram, that's a good place to let us know that you heard this and what you thought about it, and you'll find 
pictures there of these artists and upcoming broadcast schedule and meet uh, other people that like the music that you're enjoying. Great place to find it. Okay, go check out part three of this. And next week, I'm going to put another three hour or so long episodes from the follow-up show we did a couple of weeks later. So lots and lots of Liberty Elman and John McLaughlin and Deep Focus.